Hey guys, before we get going tonight, I want to take a quick minute to talk to you guys about voting. And I'll probably add this on to every podcast between now and the beginning of November as my guess. As I'm sure most people are aware, we are at a critical point in our nation's history, and this is probably the most important election of our lifetimes, or certainly of my lifetime. And I, I just, you know, without getting too political, I want to make sure that everyone is ready to make their voice heard. What that means in preparation for election day coming up is that you have a plan to vote. Uh, and so I just wanted to make sure that everyone out there knows how you're going to vote, knows where your polling place is, and has a plan for either voting remotely or voting in person. It is a critical thing that we do to participate in our democracy at any point, really, but especially at this point in our history. If you're not sure if you're registered, if you're not sure where you're voting, if you're not sure about you know some of the da- down-ballot issues or candidates that are in your state and local elections, you can go to BallotReady.org, B-A-L-L-O-T-R-E-A-D-Y.org, and it will take you through your polling places and, and making sure that you are registered, making sure that you can request an absentee ballot, find out if you can vote early, which you can in a lot of different places, and that'll eliminate a lot of the pressure on the election workers during uh, election day itself and maybe decrease some of the lines and decrease some of the risk of uh, spread during the this uh, pandemic election. So please make a plan, do your research, make sure that you uh, know where and when you're voting and how you're voting and uh, and, and ex- exercise your rights. Because if, if we don't do that, then we really don't have any right to complain about uh, what's been going on. So just my little PSA for now. And uh, let's get into the show. Hello and welcome to The Pain Cave. My name is Jay Friedman. I'm your host and I'm very excited to be joined once again by my co-host and partner in crime, the Fulham Flyer, the Shungwangunk Express. He is the Giannis Koros to my Giannis Antetokounmpo. It is Phil Vondra. Phil, welcome back to The Pain Cave. Thanks. It's great to be here. Post, uh, post-race weekend for both of us, so nice to have a little relaxation on Monday. Yeah, yeah. It's uh, I get the chance to have a, an actual real beer tonight, which is great, instead of the wow. uh, garbage that I've been drinking recently. Yeah. Tonight, we are going to continue with our 20-question our series, and we are really psyched to welcome in one of our good friends, the co-founder of the Swap Adventure Racing Team. Uh, Phil, I've, I've just been going through our, um, our archives. Did you know we've had uh, 11 uh, doctorates uh, on, our, on our podcast? You know... I did know that actually, it's really weird. And uh, the only thing that I can add to the intelligence level of this whole thing is person, woman, man, camera, TV. That's that's as far as my (laughs) intelligence goes. So (laughs) I'm dragging this thing right down. (laughs) The reason I bring this up is because yes, we've had 11 doctorates on our our program. Uh, We've had a doctorate in in computer science from MIT. We've had an actual, I think, rocket scientist, but uh, we are going to have Tonight, uh, I think the first person who does or will very soon have two doctorates to her name. She is a medical doctor. She is going to shortly be, I think, a, a PhD in epidemiology. She also happens to be a six-time, a five-time or six-time uh, national uh, champion on the trails and one of the best running coaches in the country, Megan Roche. Megan, welcome to the Pain Cave. 
Thank you so much for having me on here. I'm pumped about this. I did not race this weekend, but I will drink a beer in your honor. That's... I was impressed with both oh, of your race results. Um, I'm excited for this. Thanks. We're really psyched to have you on. And yeah, But as you alluded, before we get started, as usual, we do have to crack something open. Phil, what are you drinking tonight? Well, I am drinking a, um, an athletic brewing company, Oktoberfest. It's a non-alcoholic beer. I quite like these beers. They're good. And as I'm a little bit of a swim taxi tonight, I'm being a responsible adult. Good for so you. So I'm having a zero alcohol beer. And, good for uh, you. I, I have been drinking... Uh, yeah, kind of low-carb beers for a little bit of a, a while here. But uh, as Megan alluded to, we are both post-race. So I'm going to open a focal banger, actually, um, and oh. then go to sleep in 20 minutes or so. So Excellent. Crack that one open. All right. Cheers. Um, what do you have, Megan? Well, it's 4 p.m. here on uh, time, and it's 6 p.m. your time. So I should have a beer, but I'm going with kombucha at the moment, which I think oh, is like 2% alcohol. So I am getting a little bit of a bump here. There you go. Excellent. Lachaim. Cheers. Um, this is the uh, the trilogy, the GTS kind. What does that mean? I love those ones. I am not I am not a kombucha uh, aficionado, so I actually don't know what it means besides besides <laughs> the fact that it's tasty. <laughs> I love beer. I love beer. I know nothing about kombucha, but beer is uh, beer is my jam. Kombucha yeah, I, uh, is I um, my own kombucha. Do you really? Yeah. yeah, I've had my scoby now for um, I think it's going on four years, so it's. It's quite a veteran. Yeah. Every now and then I have to separate it, make it a little smaller. And I'm told you can cook the SCOBY, um, but I never cook it because it looks a little too gross, to be honest. But, it's uh, disgusting. It great kombucha. We've had one in our fridge for quite some time. It's gross. What, what do you do when you cook it? Do you eat it after that? Yeah, apparently you just slice it up and you, and you can eat it. Apparently it's pretty tasty, but I've always looked at it and it kind of grosses everyone out in the house when they see the SCOBY. I'm like, don't be mean to my SCOBY. It's like a friendly little symbiotic colony of bacterial yeast. Just yeah, it's disgusting. Thing. That sounds like eating a placenta after a delivery. That just sounds gross. Yeah, no, that does, yeah. No, uh, no offense to anyone who's eaten their own placentas. Megan, let's uh, get this a little bit back on track if we can. For those of you out there who are not familiar with Megan, Megan, why don't you give us a little bit of your background and uh, how you came to be uh, involved in the sport of ultra running and coaching and uh, just two, two to three minutes, and then we'll get right into the 20 questions. Awesome. Yeah, so I'll start. So right now, I just finished up class. Um, I'm doing a PhD in epidemiology, which when I started epidemiology, no one really knew what it was. Uh, <laughs> my dad, yeah, my dad called it WTFology. Um, so it's it's interesting how these times have changed. Um, I'm also a physician, as you mentioned. I graduated medical school in 2018, um, and I love trail running. So I'm a trail coach, um, as you mentioned, um, the summer call play coaching team with David. Um, love doing that, love adventuring on the trails, and pumped to be here with you today. Really psyched to have you. Yeah, it's uh, quite a time to be involved in, in epidemiology. It's like suddenly you're the most in-demand scientist in the world. It's funny. Well, I, I get all these questions from people ranging from like, when can I give a hug to, uh, you know, to my friends again? <laughs> when can I go out and like tow the start line of a race? So it's really funny how all these questions are popping up out of nowhere. Yeah, yeah. What an interesting and bizarre time to be alive. All right. So, Megan, the, the way that we've been doing this is we have 20 questions for you chosen from our bank of, I don't know, 30 or so. And uh, some, of questions. <laughs> some of these will be familiar to uh, the folks that we've that that uh, have listened to our previous episodes. And some of these will be new. And uh, yeah, as long as or as short as you want to go on any of these answers, uh, just jump right in and have at it. Um, and we'll alternate back and forth. Phil, you want to start us off? All right. I'm going to I'm going to go in there. Um, 
What's your worst DNF or epic race failure? Worst epic race failure? Yeah. What, uh, you know, what's the, the worst thing that happened? That's a great question. So I'm thinking, I think it was, I'm terrible with dates here. So I think it was World Championships 2017 over in Switzerland. And I actually didn't know this, but I was racing on mono and um, just had a very rough race experience across the board. And I think took the race out a little bit too hard, um, actually had a bathroom break that I think was caught on tape by some tourists, um, which, was a, which was a very proud moment. Um, but I think my, my biggest thing is um, I have this policy that whenever I'm wearing the Team USA jersey that I have a no DNF policy. Um, so it was basically a epic fail of a slog to the finish, but I made it. And um, so even though it was a pretty bad race failure, I still count that as a win just because I got Ooh, to the yeah. finish line, um, got home, took a couple of months off to recover from mono. But it was definitely yeah. one of those experiences that I will remember forever. Did you wow. know going yeah. in that you had mono? I did not. I so um, actually on the way home, I got very sick on the plane, and David didn't believe me. He was kind of like, "Megan, you're being a drama queen," and I was like, "David, I feel <laughs> absolutely terrible." I was like vomiting all over the plane, um, and then when we got home, it was quite a relief. I, I went to student health um, at Stanford, and they gave me both a pregnancy test and a mono test, and the mono test came back positive. It's probably the the one you wanted to be positive at that time. Yeah, exactly. At that point, I was, <laughs> but I was also happy. I was like, something is explaining my. Um, you know, I think like whenever you go through something like that and you have some sort of like explanation for why you felt like total crap it's actually like a relief even though i had to take a couple a couple weeks off after that right no that's an interesting thing sometimes in the in the hospital when you know patients come in with symptoms and you know you, you run a bunch of tests you say oh, i think it could be this could be this and then you go back in the room and yeah you know everything's negative and they're, they're like disappointed and uh yeah. you're just like <laughs> well i'm sorry you don't have you know uh, appendicitis or cancer or whatever it's just like no i'm happy that it's not that but you know people really do want uh, some kind of explanation for their for their symptoms now this was I, I remember recently hearing on your pod that you had another world championships race or at least an international race where you had gotten some uh bad blood work back right before that race also right yeah, it sounds like I'm like over two on these on these world championship races. <laughs> but I did another. This was like a long distance event, and um, I went into doping control, and they they took my blood as part of doping control, and it's a it's a spot read, and my hemoglobin came back quite low. Um, and this was two days before the race, and it like going through my head, I was like, oh my gosh, how am I going to be able to compete with a hemoglobin that I've never even seen before? Um, but I kind of played it off in my mind as if like. Yeah, I was like, maybe there's like an error with this. Because I see this, I see this often sure. actually. Sometimes like in, in, in the medical field, like, you know, doctors are are not infallible. Like sometimes medical tests can have errors. And so I, I convinced myself it was an error, but I think it was actually the truth of the matter because I had a rough race after that. Right. Right. All right. Awesome. Uh question number two. I'm gonna say, how many rest days do you normally take? And I think I know the answer to this one, but uh what's your normal rest day schedule? My normal rest day schedule is, so in SWAP, we have um, the Monday rest days are a sacred thing for SWAP. So I typically take one a week. Sometimes I'm actually a little bit more than that. Like if life, if life gets crazy, I might take a Friday rest day. Um, I will say that I'm biking a lot. So um, like today I did a rest day that was basically 100 you know, a, a bike ride at 100 heart rate. So I think you can you can say rest with air quotes, um, but for sure I'm taking that Monday rest day as all SWAP athletes do. Right, cool. cool. Sounds good. Um, what is your, your pre-race meal? What do you like to fuel up with? Like the night before or the morning of a race? What do you, what do you eat? 
Yeah, that's a, that's a good question. So I used to be superstitious and then my life got really busy and I realized that I can't have superstitions because I'm going to break them all. Um, <laughs> yeah. But recently I've been eating, I, I, my go-to is pizza. So I try to eat at least a whole pizza um, the night before race. Yeah, I'm, I'm totally down with that actually. Before um, the bear last year, I had a pizza and I thought it was actually really, really good pre-race meal the night before. It's excellent. So yeah, I love it. And pizza is always good. So yeah, yeah it's, it's hard to go wrong. Yeah. I remember hearing um, an interview with John Sinclair once, who was a, a great American roadrunner in like the late 80s, early 90s. And that was his deal, too. And it was always like Pizza Hut or Domino's or something. And the answer was, A, he, right, he knew he would react well to it. And B, you know, he's traveling around on the road race circuit and, and staying in different towns and everything else. And he knew it was like he knew what he was getting. It's just like it's always going to be exactly the same. And he reacted well to it. And so he just stuck with it. I yep. love that. Yeah, my biggest thing is quantity too. It just has to be a big pizza. Yeah. <laughs> no sharing. All <laughs> right. Uh, question number four. What's your bucket list race? Ooh, that's a good one. Um, so I'm going to go ahead and say Western States, even yeah. though that sounds like true to the name of this podcast, a total pain cave. But <laughs> I like pain caves. I like this podcast. Um, so I think that's been a dream of mine for a while. I think something about just like stepping up to the world's toughest competition to me is really exciting. Um, I think from a physiology standpoint, I love thinking about like how human physiology responds to the longer distances. And there's just so many variables to play with at Western States. Like, I mean, you're thinking about the heat. You're thinking about, you know, actually running fast on a decently runnable course you're thinking about fueling all of these different things and so to me that's fun to bring that all together into one race i think with your background and your profile you would crush western states oh thank yeah you. i think so as well it'd be great to see you run that now you, i said somewhere that i was going to wait until age 40 but we'll see um you've not <laughs> gone over 50 miles at this point right i have not run over 50 miles yeah. but i love i do love the longer distances yeah you would you would kill that race i would love to see that Oh, thank you. Well, it's just, I think the tradition at that race is very cool too. So mm -hmm. I've, I've been fortunate to spectate it, to do some research at Western States. And let me tell you, like the community there is unparalleled. And I think that's a really fun environment for a race. Yeah. I've been there a few times. That was actually my first experience with ultras was doing medical care there in, um, I want to say Oh five, I think it was. And then I've been, uh, lucky to go back and pace a couple of times. Phil, we got to get you out there one of these years. That'd be fantastic. Um, uh, what was the like three year wait now to even get like yeah. pulled out of a lottery or even on a lottery these yeah. days, everything getting canceled, right? It's crazy. Sometime in the next 10 years, one of us will get in. That'll be nice. Um, okay, I think it's me, right? Yep, go. Uh, Megan, a nice easy one for you. What's the best book that you've ever read? <laughs> this is this is not an easy one. I, <laughs> oh, it's not? So I, whenever I get asked this question or what's your favorite movie, I, like, I have like an existential reaction because I'm like, <laughs> I've read so many good ones. How do I choose? Like, uh, what, do, what okay. do I do about this? So I'm going to go actually just to the last book I've read because right. I, I love reading. So um, The Misadventures of Awkward Black Girl by Issa Rae is fantastic. Um, I'm really trying to educate myself right now in like the Black Lives Matter movement. And she's just a great um, like Black spokes black spokesperson, black voice. Um, she's also hosting SNL next week, which I'm really excited about. So um, that's my most recent book. And I'm going to go on the record as most favorite, even though I, I have a hard time choosing most favorite book. Nice. Nice. Sounds good. Um, question number six, Megan, I think the answer to this might be both. But uh, if you had to pick one, speed work or hills? 
I would go speed work. Ooh, um, surprising. Yes, which is surprising. So I love I love running fast. Um, I am coming off a high hamstring surgery, so um, I do it a little bit more sparingly these days as I'm easing back in. Um, I think there's something really fun about getting to like push your limits with speed to feel like you're like moving quickly. Um, and I would say that hills have a unique full body pain that I both love and hate, <laughs> and I really have to be in the spirit of the day to embrace those hill workouts. Nice. Yeah, especially a three-minute hill workout, which is my particularly oh. least favorite. In the summer, a three-minute hill workout is just, you know, 90% humidity, 100 degrees. It's like, oh, no, this is going to feel like a lifetime on this hill. <laughs> yeah, I think three minutes are actually the hardest hill length because it's the perfect, um, like, the perfect place between speed and endurance, and you're just, I mean, it hurts. Yeah, yeah they're brutal. Yeah, it really does. Yeah. Um, okay, if you could go with anyone for a run, living or dead, who would it be? Um, do they actually have to be able to run? No, I don't, I don't think so. I mean, <laughs> I, think that's, I think that's fine. I'm sure, I mean, if they've got legs, they probably can. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I am going to go with, uh, there's just so many good choices. I'm going to go with Michelle Obama on this one. Nice. So oh, I, that's yeah, really so she one. is fun. Yeah. She, I feel like she's going to give me some good jokes out there. I want to learn all about her experience in the White House. And I feel like if I'm going to get the truth from anyone, it's her. Like, I feel <laughs> like she's just really going to, like, give it to me, um, you know, like, straight up. And so I really like that. Um, and I would just, I feel like she would be a great person out there in terms of energy and overall vibes. Sweet. So cool. That's a yeah. good one. Yeah. Nice. All right. Phil, you had asked favorite pre-race food. I'm going to go with, Megan, what's your go-to post-race meal? I love ice cream. So ice cream in any form. So I'm talking like um, milkshake, sundae, frozen yogurt, um, preferably. Again, we're just going with the quantity, like a high quantity. I am not picky when it comes to food. Uh, I love everything. Um, just a lot of it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't think there's. I don't think there's a food that I've had that I don't like. Actually, that's that's false. I had a vegan cheese the other day, and it was pretty gross. Um, vegan but other cheese. Than that, yeah, it was, it was gross. What is that made out of? Um, I think it was made out of cashews. Yeah. Oh yeah, some God. of them are made out of cashews. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It was. It was not. It was the only. It was. I mean, I guess it's a questionable food source, but it was the only food source that I've had and did not like. But yeah, ice cream and lots of it with preferably like rainbow sprinkles, um, Oreos, Reese's Pieces. Nice, very swap appropriate. That's 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 a perfect post race food. All right, that's um, eight. Phil, you're up for number nine. All right. Um, what's your favorite race that you've ever done? I'm going to go with way too cool. So, um, I run oh, I'd run. i love cool to now. run way too cool. Uh, it's a great race. So I think I've run it four years now. I think I did it four years in a row. I, I time, I, you know, I need to go back and look at all these things, but, um, the course is fast. So we get back to that speed work. I love running fast. Um, the community again. So I think for a long time, it was one of the biggest trail races in terms of like, um, participation numbers. Right. Um, it's really fun to be on the start line and have like you know, a ton of people behind you. And it's like, it's a fun feeling to be participating in an event of that size. And then it's usually like epically muddy, like mud, river, creeks everywhere. And I think it's a fun, like, it's hard to take yourself seriously when you're just like slip and sliding around all <laughs> over the course. Um, and it's competitive too. So yeah. plus actually, if we're going with after the fact too, they have frog cupcakes. So they're appealing to my sweet tooth side. They have what? Wow. They have frog cupcakes at the finish line. It's like one of their like signature things uh, that they give out. Oh, cool. Yeah. yeah. And that's, uh, yeah, like you said, uh, one of the more competitive fields, probably one of the best 50 K fields in the country. And, mm -hmm. uh, and the on National a lot of those courses, a lot of those trails by the Western States course too. 
Yeah, exactly. And I just love the 50K distance too, because, yeah. you know, it's not so long as a 50 mile where you're thinking about like all these different variables. You can kind of just go turn your brain off, race it, um, have a fun, fast day out there. And so, and it's like, you're not so beat up either. Like, you know, you can enjoy right. it the next day. You don't yeah. feel like you, yeah. Yeah. You 50, 50K is one of my favorite distances. Um, along those lines, what's the toughest race you've ever run? I would say North Face 50 miles. So um, for me, that was actually my only 50 mile to date in my first 50 mile. And I think stepping up to that distance was a big unknown for me. Um, you know, I've never pushed myself over a distance of, of that time. And it was such a competitive, I think I did it in 2018, again, a very competitive women's field, which I think is so fun to show up to. Um, and coupled with the fact too, so what's the, what's unique to me about the North Face 50 mile race is that it's runnable fast terrain with a lot of vert um so it has the potential to rip your legs up quite a bit just because yeah. you're hammering down this like this fast terrain for a long period of time um plus like the year i did it we were running fast over the golden gate bridge at the end so right. i was like throwing elbows with tourists trying to like come back my way there's actually a great picture of me just, like, coming in yeah, exactly. I was like straight neck in a tourist out there and someone caught it on um, on camera. So it appeared a few times on Twitter after the fact about the race. That's cool. That's a shame that that race has gone away. I know. I was really disappointed. Um, it's, you know, it also comes at a fun time of year too. So usually it's like November, December. So yep. it's a yeah. season ender for a lot of people. And again, a great community event. But yeah, you know, it, was it was like the perfect cap on the year, especially for people who like to follow along, like Phil and I as like fans of the of the top runners. Yeah. It was like the it was like this great season. I mean, it's hard for, you know, we talk about this a lot with you know, the trail and ultra world with no, you know, unifying governing body or anything like that. And there are all these different uh, series out there. But you know, North Face, they actually did it. They put together a series and they had like a real championship at the end of the year and people treated it that way. And it was, it was, you know, I don't, I don't want to say it was like the Super Bowl because that, I mean, you'd say that's Western States or UTMB or Hard Rock, but it really was like, it was like the tour championship. It was like this great end of the season event and people treated it that way. And then all of a sudden it's gone. It's, it's a real bummer. Yeah, I think they did everything right, like from course design, yeah. to like thinking about organization. I think the other interesting point, too, is, is there was, I think, what created that like Super Bowl type vibe at first was just because there was a large prize purse, which mm -hmm. for trail running is not, you know, that's not common. Um, and so I would love to see like if another race were to be able to replicate that, like what would happen if you brought in a large prize purse? Like, could we replicate North Face? And I bet you could. It'll be interesting yeah. with um, like Spartan getting into some of the trail racing stuff and bringing some money in that way. But and but right, it, it it's it's going to be a mix of right finding the right venue, finding the right time of year. I mean, you know, Run Rabbit was supposed to be that sort of thing and just throwing a whole bunch of money at it and seeing what would happen. But it hasn't really worked out that way. And they've they've had yeah. some good fields, but they've had nothing, you know, certainly nothing to the the. Um, the field depths that we've seen at, at North Face. And, and that might partly just be because, you know, it's a hundred miles at altitude. That's not like the easiest thing to put on your schedule, especially if you're coming from, from lower elevation. So. Yeah. Um, that's what I was going to say. It's always, I, I'm actually hesitant to send athletes there sometimes. Cause I'm like, it's a gamble. It's a really fun yeah. race, but like, it's a gamble. I mean, yeah. the high altitude, the distance, the terrain, yeah. Yeah. um, even like the time of day. Right. Right. Was that me or you, Phil? That was, <laughs> all right i'll, uh, I'll well, go i'll go, go. <laughs> megan what's your what's your post run ritual do you have something after your like your daily run or workout that that is like a ritual for you 
the correct answer is yes, I should. The actual <laughs> answer is it's a total crapshoot. Yeah. Um, I so I've been pretty busy recently. So oftentimes it consists of like getting inside as fast as possible, showering, finding a quick like foam roll in there, and then getting on for email class, whatever it is. <laughs> um, but in reality, like we have some great swap legs. So like um, there's like the the four minute speed legs, the mountain legs for mm -hmm. swap. And we have a lot yeah. of athletes do those post workout. I actually typically save strength training for the evenings. Um, so I find for me, like my work days are just so exhausting that it's nice to end the day with something. Um, and like the, the quick, you know, whether it's like a 10 or 15 minute strength routine, um, really helps. But I would say that I do prioritize like getting in hydration and fuel immediately post run. Mm -hmm. Um, just because I find that's important and plenty of coffee. Nice. Sounds good. Go ahead, yeah. Coffee is always important. A coffee protein shake is what I like to grab when I come <laughs> in the door. So I got yeah. two things covered there really nicely. When I, as soon as I step in the door. Just put everything all in one. I'm all about that. Yeah, cool. Um, right, it's definitely my turn, I think. Um, okay, I love this question. If you could compete in any non-running sport at the Olympics, what would it be? That's an easy one. So I played field hockey in college. Um, oh, yeah. Yeah, it's a sport that's very dear to my heart. I, so it's, I grew up playing soccer, um, always loved soccer and actually had some issues with my hip flexors and wound up transitioning over to field hockey. And it's a fun game. It's underappreciated. So I was initially deterred by field hockey because people played in skirts and I was like, this can't be a real sport. <laughs> sport. People are playing in, people are playing in skirts. I can't do it. Um, but it's fun. And also I think too, the other perception of field hockey is that it's kind of like this like slow sport because in high school it's played on grass. But at the college level and the professional levels, it's played on water turf right. Um, oh, right. and it moves, it moves quite quickly. So it plays yeah. a lot of soccer. Um, yeah. So it's like a totally different game from what you've seen in gym class or high school field hockey. Um, it's, yeah. And a lot of people don't know that, but it is an Olympic sport. Um, several yeah. of my teammates in college went on to play in the Olympics, actually. I think uh, Great Britain maybe won a medal there at one yes. point. I it's, think it's actually a very popular sport in, uh, in the UK. Mm -hmm. um, I it's played. I played at high school, and I really enjoyed it. I mean, oh, did you really? Occasionally, someone would lose a tooth or something, you know, when a stick went too high. But it's it's a pretty vicious sport. It is a pretty. And, you I know, have... like you can, like people get hurt in it. I mean, it's not it's not a very friendly sport. You know, people get vicious. Oh yeah, it's it's intense. I've had a number of concussions actually from field yeah. hockey. Be careful yeah. about that today. I enjoyed it. And in the yeah, UK, they fun. have they have hurling also, which is like field hockey that's in, in the, Ireland. Uh, in Ireland, right? Well, that's yeah. part of the UK. No, well, you don't. You don't recognize. You an, I'm going to buy you an atlas for your birthday. <laughs> yeah. it's, it's not part of the UK. Ireland doesn't count. Oh, I guess not. Northern Ireland. So yeah, I guess right, in that whatever. respect, yes. But okay, but that's like field hockey uh, in midair, right? Yeah, that's slightly <laughs> different. Yeah, the bat, they, they have. Uh, uh, I'm not even sure what the the implements is called, but it looks like a sort of uh, an enlarged spatula. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I'm probably making lots of enemies right now and I'll, I'll <laughs> zip my pie hole. But uh, yeah, it's slightly different, but yeah, equally as vicious. Um, Megan, what is the funniest thing you've ever seen at a trail race or ultra? I love that question. This is, this is a challenging one. <laughs> I'm trying to think, so I'm going to go back, actually. I'm going to use my own story because this is the prime time to make fun of myself. Perfect. Which I enjoy. Oh, maybe, um, this, maybe this doubles as your most embarrassing thing that's ever happened to you in an ultra, which we also had on the list. Yeah, we have that as well. <laughs> oh, great, great. Well, I've got <laughs> lots you have of, multiple experiences. I was going to say, I've got it. The thing about running ultras long enough is if you don't have an embarrassing story, you're doing it wrong. <laughs> oh, yeah. Um, 
So I would say I'm going to go back to that story, but I'll just like describe it in a little bit more detail of the mono experience. So I was on this like beautiful trail um, looking out over the Matterhorn. It was gorgeous. And I like really had to take a bathroom break, just took it right there on the trail because I was like, I'm yeah. losing time. This is a disaster and got caught in this. Like as soon as I did that, this whole train of tourists comes around and they're filming the entire <laughs> experience. And there I am just like right in the middle of the trail, like no shame. Um, and that was a, a great moment. And I'm sure it's probably out there on YouTube. They just don't know who it is. Um, someday oh, when like, Oh, I'm definitely going to find this and link to it in the show notes. <laughs> yeah, this is like, like, our machine learning algorithms are high enough. They're going to like identify based on my white blood. I'm trying to figure out what I search on YouTube, like random woman poops on trail or something. There's probably a lot. Yeah, of yeah, those. exactly. Like, just oh, you're probably, yeah, hundreds, <laughs> hundreds of- well, the other thing, so I would be like totally okay about this if this was just like me, like being random, but I was also in a team USA Jersey at the time. So I was like, <laughs> oh my God. I'm like, terrible representation of the United States. Like I'm going to finish this race because that's how I want to represent the United States. But I'm like pooping on a trail right now, but there was nothing I could do about it. Like it was happening there or elsewhere. And so I was like, I, I can't, I can't control this. Nice. All right, Phil, go ahead. Uh, all right. So what, what's your favorite aid station food? This is lame. So I have never had food at an aid station. Um, Yes. So, I mean, this also goes to show the fact that my longest race has only been 50 miles, but I have this strange thing where I don't love chewing and running at the same time. Like I love eating. Like we've talked about that. Like, you know what I mean? Like I'll, I'll eat anything pre and post run, but during the run, I can only take like gels or liquid energy or um, even like bottle fuel. Okay. Okay. All right. So speed determine that one. When you do Western States, we'll find out. Right. Yes. Yeah. We'll see. Yeah. <laughs> it's, spring energy is great because it's, it's basically like food in a puree form. So yeah, I love spring energy. Yeah. Save me. Megan, what celebrity do you wish would follow you on Instagram? Um, so I'm going to go with a realistic one. So I have been trying to follow Michelle Wolf on Strava for the longest time, and she has not accepted my Strava request. <laughs> Michelle Wolf, if you're listening to this, please accept my Strava request. She is a comedian. She is an ultra runner um, and um, just an overall like great person, hilarious. And she's in the sport of ultra running. And I'm like, please, please, please accept my follow request. So if she followed me on Instagram, that would be great. Maybe All right. We're getting it out there. Good. Okay. Um... If you could be a cartoon character, who would it be? <laughs> like, um, they would definitely want to be Bart Simpson. <laughs> I would be I would be Homer Simpson, but okay. <laughs> this is a very hard question. You know, I didn't really watch TV um, as a kid, um, so I am thinking of. Did you ever watch the show Rocket Power? Um, I'm I'm probably. Mm-hmm. You know that there's a skateboarder girl on Rocket Power who I thought was amazing, and I'm blanking on her name, but I'm gonna go with that. Um, and this also highlights my lack of television time as a kid because nothing, nothing exciting is coming to mind at the moment. <laughs> That's cool. All right, cool. That's cool. I'll go with a an easier question for you. What's your typical weekly mileage in training? Yeah, so it fluctuates. Um, before my hamstring injury, I was anywhere around like 75 to 80 miles a week. Mm-hmm. Um, right now, I'm more floating around 50 to 60 and working in a lot of bike training into that, which is fun. Um, and not so much for pain, like my hamstrings back 100%. But I think I've just realized it's kind of the sweet spot for my body. It's where I feel most recovered, happiest. Um, and then um, only five days a week. So Monday's a rest day and then Friday's the bike day. You're doing um, mostly road biking or cross or a mix? 
doing everything. So I went from having zero bikes to three bikes. Um, <laughs> that's, how it, a year. that's how it goes so, with all of our bike friends. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It was like, it's the right I was, number I, of bikes in plus one. <laughs> um, yeah, exactly, exactly. Um, so yeah, I um, road bike, gravel bike, mountain bike. Mountain biking is great because it makes trail running feel easy. Um, every yeah. time I'm on, on a mountain bike, I'm like, I might break my neck right now. This is scary. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> all right, Phil, question 19. Okay. All right. So uh, when things get tough, you know, you're really having a, a struggle. What uh, what motivates you? What, uh, you know, keeps you going? So this is going to be like the most corny answer of all time. Um, but I really harness love um, when things get tough. So um, I, I feel like I draw on the support from David, um, my hubby, as we've talked about, who's also um, a swap coach and Addy, my dog. And I think just tying it back into the fact that like that to me is what matters most. And um like feeling it's almost like a superpower because like everything else just feels like, you know, if, I, if I'm judging myself or feeling down about something, it's like just getting back to that fact is so anchoring and amazing and awesome. And I'm really grateful for that. Um, but generally when things get tough, like physically pain wise, I just like dissociate and don't think about anything. Nice. Yeah. Well, that goes along with the whole swap physio- uh, uh, I'm drunk now. Sorry. I was going to say physiology, but I meant uh, like the ethos, like basically. Two sips of your beer. Well, I'm almost done with it. It's a lot bigger than I thought it was going to be. Okay. <laughs> our, our last question for the evening, Megan. Uh, who inspires you? I'm going to go with a personal answer on that one. So I'm going to go with my mom. Um, so when I grew up, my mom was just like a total boss, did everything, um, like all the childcare. Uh, would get out in the morning at like 4.30 in the morning and go for a run, even though she was not competing at all. Wow. Um, and just like loves sports. So to this day, she's a great athlete, but doesn't compete. She just does it because she loves it. Um, and I think that's a really beautiful thing. But also just inspired by like, the family environment that she built. So like love was always, and again, this gets back to like that, that corny thing I talked about where like That's love great. is that like amazing superpower and that anchor. And she was like that through and through. And I'm really grateful for that. And I think like that's something that's inspired me and just been like a foundation of life. It's awesome. Awesome. I love it. Megan, thanks so much for coming on. This was really cool. Yeah. I think, um, you know, I think Phil and I are, are, familiar with you and, and David just, you know, from being a part of Team Swap, which has been really fulfilling, I think, for both of us this past year, um, but also from reading the book and, and, you know, keeping in touch with you guys online. It's been really fun watching you come back from your injury. And um, I'm psyched to see you getting back into shape. And uh, I think it's been really just great getting to know you. And I think uh, I hope our listeners feel the same. Thank yeah. you so much. This has been so fun. Um, I can't emphasize how awesome you both are. And it's it's an honor to be on here drinking beer with you. Or drinking my kombucha while you guys drink much yeah. better. Well, we got well to... I've got zero alcohol and Jay's had two sips and he's drunk. So it's quite <laughs> quite a combo. Well, we got you almost <laughs> to 5 p.m. out there in, in Colorado. So uh, you can crack open something with some actual alcohol content in just a second. <laughs> I appreciate that. <laughs> All right. Say hi to Dave and give ID Dog a hug for us. Yeah, definitely. And you can see George sleeping in the background there. Oh, my gosh. He's been here on my training log. He hasn't moved all the time. I thought he was a pillow. (laughs) Oh, he looks like a pillow. He basically is a pillow. Well, he thinks I'm a pillow sometimes. He'll sleep on me. Oh, he just moved. Look at that. (laughs) All right. He's having a look. Phil, Megan, thanks so much. Have a great great night, Megan. Uh, Everybody out there, thanks for listening. And until next time in the pain cave, keep putting one foot in front of the other. Broken down and beaten up. Years have been long and tough, but I'm not dead. Happy now just to spend some time with friends and have a roof above my head. 
I'm not jaded, just been faded Like a good old pair of jeans Rusted like a proud old car That's drove a little too far and seen Too much rain But long ago as a child I looked at the night sky in wild wonderment Then ride the bus and feel upset